Right on, right on, right on. Live right. Live right. In the real world. Right on radio. Right on radio. Remember a time, time of prosperity, a time of liberty, as when we used to take a stand for freedom, and each person made a difference. But then the world changed. Isolation came in, obedience, corporate evil. Well, I choose to fight back. I'm going to take a stand. Wellness is the key, and nature has our answers. Our children are our future. Switch your shopping dollars. Switch them back to Made in Canada and the USA. Take a stand. Take a stand for liberty. Visit MyLibertyStand.com. That's triple W dot MyLibertyStand.com. MyLibertyStand.com. That's right. That's where you can find Christy. That's where you can find me and all the other patriots who were actually taking a stand. Isn't that right, Christy? That is right, Jeff. We do not buy into the corporate propaganda of products. And we do not let these people make us think they're selling us green products full of water that take lots of gas to go across multiple countries and With time zones. <laughs> full of plastic. Oh. That's right. Jeff, by the way, do you know that we eat like a cup full of plastic a week from the cabal? Yeah. Like literally really? a credit. Yes. Like a credit card a week. Um, some guy did like a, a study where we're basically eating like a credit card a week. I have to find out the details of it, but yeah, I thought it was well, quite I, I alarming. Well, I sand and stuff like that somehow, but uh, yeah. plastic. Plastic. Yeah, it's, it's probably in our food somehow, you somehow. know. Yeah, yeah. And but, I, but I think worse, the way is now I, we're putting nanos in our food. <laughs> that's the thing that's coming. Nanos. What else are they putting? Graphene oxide. Is that graphene graphene oxide. Well, that's a delivery system with the nanos. And and I, so it's funny that, uh, you know, everyone thinks, you know, Elon Musk is doing this Cyberlink thing uh, mm -hmm. and it has to be surgically implanted in the back of your head. That's what the original claim was. But now he's saying, no, 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 uh, we can just get it into your bloodstream. That's right. And we can get it in like it. Let's put it this way. I always tell people, Jeff, if I was always afraid to have my dog chip because I thought it was going to hurt the dog. Right. I mean, literally, I waited for years to have my dog chipped. And when I did take the dog to have it chipped, he didn't even know he was chipped. Like, I mean, they put the little chip in the vial. By the way, it's a really tiny vial, you know, um, syringe. And I'm thinking, like, this is going to be big. It's going to, he's going to feel it inject. No, nothing. And the dog is scannable. I can find him anywhere, Jeff. Yeah, and, and so why do they do that? They start with the pets so most people get used to doing this, right? Yeah. Oh, look at me. My kid can never go missing. I just have to chip her or him, right? <laughs> hey, with my daughter some days, I thought that might have been a good idea, especially when she went missing in Epcot one, one year. <laughs> There's a lot of people are going to buy into that. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, speaking of buying in, man, We've got a special guest coming back today, Jeff. 
by popular demand. Uh, and yeah, listen, this is someone who, uh, when we, the reason I thought of even running that commercial for My Liberty Stand was because this is someone who truly has taken a stand. And uh, she did it in a very public way. It went viral. Last time she was on, we never even got to the purpose of her coming on because <laughs> her captivation uh, story was captivating, to say the least. And, of course, we're talking about none other than the wonderful Mickey Lynn. Hi. Mickey, <laughs> Good morning. We called her Mickey Jeans last time. So, you know, we called her Mickey Jeans last time. But Yes, yes that is my last name. I just... I just eliminate it for autonomy. <laughs> you don't always wear jeans, Mickey? No, no. I am today. Not that you can tell, but I have my jeans on with my big ripped holes in it. <laughs> I was just finishing my morning cup of plastic. That <laughs> oh, Don't do that. <laughs> no. Take a My Liberty stand, Mickey. Yes. Absolutely. That way you too don't have to drink the plastic in your water. That's right. <laughs> and by the way, Mickey is on our team uh, roundabout, and uh, she is in the fight with us doing that as well. So, uh, and Mickey, I just... Uh, has it been good for you? Uh, just being on the team? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Uh, it is life-changing. It is life-changing just to be able to focus on what is important. We focus on our health, and we focus on what we intentionally have the God-given right to put into our body, which are things that are healthy and natural. Uh, so that in and of itself is, is absolutely life-changing. Yes, not it to is. mention taking the money away from the cabal, taking the money away uh, from people who use it against us and just don't love freedom the way that we do. And our latest calculation yeah. is just 10% of us getting together takes away 29, well, almost $30 billion a year from the cabal. Significant, folks. I love, Ooh. you know, my favorite part of, of our presentation when we show people is showing them how the companies are connected. Because I think people don't really realize how the brands and companies and and they're like, I'm going to have to get rid of everything in my house. I'm like, well, no, you don't have to like, but you are eating. This is how you're eating the plastic and the cardboard. <laughs> think about it. The stuff literally after you get used to not eating it, you go back to try to even have a bite. And it's like, this is like cardboard. <laughs> like, you might as well pick up the box. Well, now that you mentioned this, have you ever seen, because there's those videos about Mickey D's, you know, the company I'm talking about, people have put like a quarter pounder in their cupboard, like not temperature controlled or anything, for four years. It looked the exact same. Yeah. Like it, there's, there's no, you know, mold growing on it or anything like that, like like and every ingredient, like you think, okay, well, the cheese had to go. No, no, the onions, no, it's all real. In the I think the cheese may have some plastic in them, but I have no proof of that. But like to me, it's like, like, it just looks like a plastic piece of something. Well, processed cheese actually is only one small element away from plastic, so really? that yeah. I do know. Oh, yeah, yeah, I yeah. never eat processed cheese. 
Well, unless unless you're getting takeout. You know? <laughs> I've before. Just tell anyone that you care about that you want to stay alive. Never eat processed meats and diet sodas because it will cause <coughs> an explosion to go off in your brain. And there's plenty of YouTube videos that are actually showing it and doctors that have been telling about it for years. I actually had a friend that learned that the hard way. She had to have brain surgery and all kinds of things. She she was as thin as a rail, loved diet sodas, loved to drink them with her pizza and and sandwiches and pretty much every day she would have sandwiches and pizza or something of that nature and always diet sodas with them and her doctor i mean this has been like 25 years ago the doctor tells her you have to stay away from this it basically like evidently you can do an experiment there are lots of people that have done experiments like on youtube if they haven't taken them down at the time you could find when youtube first came out where people would put the processed meats and the diet sodas in and it causes an explosion wow yeah. So what's it doing in your stomach and your brain? <laughs> I mean, so, okay. I'm going to give, I'm going to give a tip. So I stopped drinking pop, you know, now I'm yeah. not saying I won't ever have one again, but typically, you know, two or three a year, maybe, you know, and it's sometimes it's just out of convenience. There's nothing else there. Um, but here's, here's a pro tip for you because everyone has something with some rust on it, right? Maybe a barbecue, yeah bumper of your truck or something like that listen to this if you when you use tinfoil like sometimes when you cook you use tinfoil to cover something or and so that tinfoil is just going to be discarded right keep the tinfoil put it into a ball like go to your bumper on your truck or whatever is rusty and it could be 10 years of rust <laughs> pour some coca-cola on it and then use the aluminum ball as a scrubber it just the rust disappears it's like a miracle <laughs> well, you know, the other thing that happens is if you think about naturally, right, because when, when you go to places like Italy and France, they don't use plastics. They don't put any foods really in plastics whatsoever. And do you know that if you use things like tinfoil over tomatoes, it'll eat through the tinfoil like overnight. And, you know, supposedly Alzheimer's is all about aluminums and things yes. in your body. Duh, aluminum foil. I mean, how dumb are we sometimes? I mean, things have to be so logical. Listen, I'm not a scientist at all, but like, I mean, this is, this has got to be common sense in some ways, right? I mean, we have to start to realize it. Either that or it's going to kill us. Yeah. Maybe yes. I should stop drinking beer from a king can. <laughs> <laughs> no, you have to go to bottles. Bottles. Go to bottles. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> oh, mercy. Yeah. For the audience, we repented right before coming on air. Just yes. like, you know. <laughs> we did. <laughs> uh, hey, listen, we're, we're, we want to get your story out today, Mickey. <laughs> so let's let's pick up where we left off. Uh, you did seven months in captivity, and uh, and kind of we we covered that I think completely. But uh, let's start from that point and kind of come into your professional uh, medical career. Absolutely. Well, just to begin with, the reason that I even uh, share what has gone on in my life, share the challenges and the struggles of being in captivity is for two reasons. Uh, one, to give glory to God for everything that we go through. We go through things because it's in the challenge, in the adversity that he gives us the tools that we need to later on in life 
have the tools that we need to uh, live out the will that he has called us to individually. And we can't do this without doing that. And so I know that he has called me to fight for freedom, to fight for my family, to fight for God, to fight for this country and humanity as a whole. So my story is one of such sweet redemption. Um, my my family was plagued by this uh, this cult for years. We couldn't speak. We could only keep relationships on the surface. I didn't have a deep and meaningful relationship with my own mother for over 30 years. She was grieving. I was grieving. We were plagued in silence, in secrecy. Um, one of the reasons I don't ever, there's so many reasons, want to wear a mask, you know, because I do not want my mouth to ever be closed again. I do not want my family or anybody in humanity to feel like they can't speak. They don't have a voice. We can't talk about what uh, what the bad guy, what Satan is trying to do uh, to us. He wants to use, he doesn't do anything new under the sun, that is for sure. But he likes to throw wrenches into our family situations and divide us and he feels like he has it all together that oh they're never going to be able to survive this i'm going to use this to destroy them and that is what this uh, cult had done to my family um it took years for the members of my family including myself um for all of us to start asking questions start figuring it out start realizing what happened why is our family so divided why did this all have to happen we each one by one came to the repentance of the Lord. We each humbled ourselves and began to just uh, confess the enormity of our sin to our God Almighty. And in those sweet moments of confession and humility, he forgave us so much. It was only at that time, October 2018, to be exact, uh, that my family was able to say, We've repented. We've come to God. Let's talk about this. Do we dare talk about this? There was so much pain and guilt and anguish and remorse and fear that people were going to judge us. You know, how could your family do that to you? How could somebody, you know, do this? Well, you know, anybody who is a parent who has a teenage child might understand a, a, a huge scream for help, <laughs> help, you know, and there are wolves in sheep's clothing that are preying on the vulnerable and they use those vulnerable situations uh, to come in and just put a wrench into people's lives for profit, for power, for money. Uh, and those things do happen. So my family is not guilty of anything else that any other family would be guilty of. They love their children. They want our family you know, to come together. Uh, at the same time, we're living in sin at that time in our lives. We don't know God. And with all of that negativity um, and darkness, we just had to find our way out of it. And it was in 2018 where our family finally began to come together and say, do we dare touch this? There were many, many tears. We were on our knees. It was beautiful. And it is only something that God can do with a heart of repentance and humility. Uh, so that being said, the core of our family is stronger than any of us could ever have imagined that it 
would ever be. And we realize at this point that God is using our story and even, you know, Jeff and Christy for having me on the show and being able to explain and talk about what happened, not only raises awareness for other people to look out for, but at the end of it, it is redemption. My mother is my hero in this lifetime. She is my absolute hero. She never intended, my family never intended, never knew I would be hurt, not even in the slightest. And when we started uh, to be hurt and they finally uh, started talking about that, it was, there was nothing that was going to stop her from getting her beloved daughter away from the hands of people who were so evil that they were uh, literally breaking her daughter's spirit and breaking hers as well. That is what God has the ability to redeem and so much more. And he has done that in my family. So thank you for letting me bring a little bit of closure to that because that is what it's all about. Our testimony is for one reason. It is to help others get through that hard time while we are pointing people to the presence of almighty God and salvation in Jesus Christ. You know, I'm so glad you brought that up because, you know, you your, your situation was extreme. You were seven months in, in a captive situation, but... You know, there's a lot of people who feel captive in other situations. You could be captive in a in a bad marriage, uh, an abusive relationship. You could be uh, captive in a workplace that uh, is demeaning and and having you do things against uh, what you feel are you know right for you to do, but you have to support your family. You have to make that uh, mort gauge. Uh, payment. I said it that way specifically, but you know, there's uh, a lot of captive situations. And I think just if Mickey's testimony could assure you that there is redemption from that and press into the Lord, he is trustworthy, uh, sometimes just in time, but he is just in time. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he lets us go through some painful stuff because, uh, Look, Mickey's able to help all kinds of people. Uh, I'm able to help people through things I've gone through. Same with Christy. Um, and we've all gone through horrible things. Uh, that's part of the human experience, folks. You were born into a sin nature. Um, you know, your parents didn't teach you how to lie. No. no. <laughs> Although they told you a big lie about Santa, most likely. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, you know, speaking of Santa, Jeff and, and Mickey, that's been one of the biggest lies ever. I mean, you know, Santa turned backwards, basically Satan. And think about when that came. We were talking about Coca-Cola earlier. You know, who who promoted the Satan, the Santa, better than anyone else? I mean, it, it got us to buy the propaganda, buy the advertisements and everything, you know, was Coca-Cola. And who's standing right there? The Woodruff family standing right there with Soros and the Rothschilds and everything and the 13 bloodline families, you know, that have, I mean, what's, what's the best known brand throughout the entire world? Coca-Cola. I mean, well, and don't forget uh, one of the original ingredients in Coca-Cola was cocaine, which yeah. I insist I got through revelation that that is Satan's signature drug. He put his own name in it. Cain, the first yeah. murderer, right? Yeah, he did. Absolutely. All right. We got to get to Mickey's story. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Mickey. I'm not going to say too much, but other than people need to go back and listen to what really happened to you in your seven months of captivity that alarmed us the last ep the last time you were on. Because, yeah. I mean, that is 
it, it is just alarming. So we, we thought that we were going to get to Mickey's story, the redemption part, the last episode. And I think what went an hour and a half and, and heard all about the captivity and um, who was a part princess Diana and, um, the uh Nancy Reagan Nancy Reagan yeah I was trying to say I've like lost lost her name for a second I try to forget it um the Miss Say No to Drugs lady um who basically had all of you in in a room on drugs and you know there's no pretending in my opinion um that they couldn't see it um so I, make sure that you go back and listen to that after you hear what Mickey's done today yeah, so today we want to focus on, you know, the resignation that was literally heard around the world, Mickey. How, how many, uh, and we're going to walk into what caused you to resign, but just just to start, how many people that you know of have seen your resignation? Because it went viral. It did go viral. Um, the second month after I resigned, I, so at last count, I haven't even, I wouldn't even know at this point. But it was close to 800,000 people at that point. And that would have been in December, just five yeah, months Yeah, it was only less than two months. That was a month and a, well, wow. a month and five days, let's say. Yes. yes. You know, so, yeah. So if it went to 800,000, it's probably about five, six million by now. Yes, you know? that was absolutely crazy, unexpected. When I felt God calling me to resign, I was in anguish for days and prayer for days, trying to figure out how I was going to write this letter. Not only that, who I was going to deliver it to personally. Well, so, first of all, before we get to the letter, yeah. I, I'm a little, uh, because I don't know all about this and I'm sure there's lots of our audience members that don't know. Yes, what were yes. you doing at the time, Mickey? Like what was your job? And can you tell us like anything, like some, a little bit of backstory without. Yeah, right up. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> Let me just fill in the gap from being, you know, um, rescued from being in captivity, you know, into into my career. Um, obviously, that was a very long road, but ultimately, I was able to get myself back in school, and I was able to. I had to get a um, a GED, and then I joined the military. And it was when I was in the Air Force that I was given the role of being a radiologic technologist, so an X-ray tech. Uh, and then after I went to school, got my degree in that, I went forward with my career. And so that's what I did for over 30 years, diagnostic imaging. And so I assume during, so first of all, thank you for your service. Um, where can you, can you give the listeners a little bit of an idea of like where you were, where, where you were stationed, were you ever stationed overseas or anything like that? I, I know we can't get into your tenure today, but just to kind of give them a little bit of backstory. So if anybody's interested and you want to hear more of that, they can let Jeff know, um, because that part, is that part an interesting part of your life as well? Being in the military, <laughs> being in the military was life-changing. Um, there were so many people that were warning me, when you go to basic training, it's going to be so hard. People are going to be yelling in your face and spinning at you. And they're not allowed to touch you. They're not allowed to hurt you. But they're going to be doing all of this stuff. And I just rolled my eyes. I was like, really, is that all? Like, <laughs> so how did, that compare, how, did that compare, how did that compare to the seven months in captivity? I'm sorry. Christy, can you repeat that, Jeff? Jeff just motivated and blew my mind. But <laughs> By the way, that whole motivated thing, it, it 
freaked me out. You were talking about it. And then when I found the motivation video to show the audience, that was a huge, huge thing. So, um, yeah. So, no, I was asking what exactly during the process, what exactly was it that in terms of the difference in captivity and the difference in being a government agent at that point in the army or the military in in the air force what and was the difference in the air force yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, that's only it only the branch of service is only um only matters to those who were in it it's like no army no air force no yes, really. sorry. <laughs> I, I've, I've got a plumber here and i'm like a little distracted so if you guys want to i'm going okay. to well, i'm going to have to go off for just a second um, I'm going to have to go off for just a second, but what I would like to know is how, how did the, how did being, um, how did being in the air force compare, you know, that basic training compared to being, um, being in captivity, you know, because of, you know, what was the difference? Did you notice any difference? Were you a little afraid that, you know, that there, that you were all of a sudden like back in captivity? Uh, that's a really good question. And no, I didn't feel that way at all. I felt like um, I didn't have a, a, I didn't have a way in life to, to bootstrap. I wanted to pick myself up by the bootstraps and move my life forward. I wanted to overcome everything that I had been through. When I um, realized through a friend of mine that I could join the Air Force, I was just like, wow, the Air Force would take somebody like me. I had a very low self-esteem at that time in my life. And I went through the process of being in the delayed in, uh, entry program while I was going to college. And uh, then I finally joined the military. When I was um, in basic training, I was completely... Um, I wouldn't say I was prepared. You can't really prepare yourself for something that you don't know. But I was unafraid of the uh, training instructors, the drill sergeants. I was absolutely unafraid of them because there I had been through so much that it just didn't compare. It didn't, to me, it was a world of freedom. There was no captivity to being in the military at that time in my life. I wouldn't go in now. Um, I didn't have the knowledge then that I have now of the military industrial complex and so many other things. Um, so obviously being in the military at that time in my life is a whole lot different than being in the military now. Uh, so it was not a captivity situation for me. It was utter freedom. Not only um, the, the time in basic training where they just kind of break you down and you kind of uh, start learning what you're made out of. Um, but beyond that, they built my self-esteem. They built my confidence. I was able to aim high and soar. And I was just, uh, I did everything. I, I got my ranks early, got promoted early. I went through all the boards. I would get awards. And it just, it was utter freedom to me. But that's why they break you down is they really want to show you that you can overcome uh, all of these things. And it, yeah. it's a lesson. It's, you know, just like a, a father or a mother uh, helps their child to overcome. You don't, uh, if, they, if the kid falls off his bike on the sidewalk, you don't, Oh, baby, baby, you know, you don't always nurse them back, you know, you don't put them on the titty, you, you know, you say, okay, son, get up, you know, right. it's just a little bit of blood, right. you have to, right, and it's not that your heart doesn't break for their pain, uh, but you want to, you know, make sure they're able to overcome these types of challenges, so uh, before we move past the uh, the Air Force, what's the coolest experience you had in the Air Force? Oh, my goodness. Well, one, I was a medic. So my absolute, well, that is very hard to nail down. I think the coolest experience was the fact that I was in the honor guard. So 
I did the 21 gun salutes. I folded the flag, presented it to the family. I was able to be a part of ceremonial situations, uh, weddings, swords and sabers, being able to sing the national anthem with a friend of mine, you know, acapella for events, everything that I did that, uh, that had anything to do with being in the honor guard was the highlight of my career. It was the highlight of my life. I loved every moment of that. So that would have to wow. be my favorite. Yeah. That would be very cool. And you're right, it is an honor. So um, just a quick follow-up question on that, because you know of the different salutes and things like that. When you saw, uh, you know, on uh, on the uh, fake selection day uh, or, you know, inauguration day, when uh, the acting Pedotis, and, and yes, I say that intentionally, uh, when he went to the uh, to the graveyard and they did the salute, they changed it up. Uh, did you have any observations about that yourself? I did not see that. The one time uh -huh. that I did, see, I didn't see that, mm -hmm. but I did. Uh, I have witnessed that particular person giving a salute. I've also witnessed that person not saluting at all inappropriate inappropriately, um, and that is just a. I don't even have words for what that is. I mean, you may as well not salute at all than to disregard the honor of a, of a human being by faking that as well. <clears throat> I think we're watching a movie, folks. I still like it can't be this real life cannot be as ridiculous as this. It is right? so ridiculous. Yeah. It's and, you know, and to be commander in chief, commander in chief. I mean, it's like you can't you like no, I say he's not, he's foolish. That's right. Yes, he absolutely yeah. did. I don't um, listen. I would never refer to him as as the president or her as the vice president. They're just stolas. Absolutely, Hilda Paris and stolas. I mean, absolutely. Call, call it as we see it. That's you know, right. Because until they can until they can prove that they won the um, election, I vote we call for an ejection. <laughs> I am right there with you. <laughs> that particular, um, that particular placeholder, you know, that uh, to be the commander in chief, not the person, but the place of that, the job of that is a place of honor. And to watch this unfold in such a dishonoring way is uh, it's hurtful. It's hurtful to humanity, but specifically to America. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It is. It is crazy. I, well, I'm sorry I missed part of what you said, but I'm gonna. I, I'll go back and listen to it when the audience <laughs> comes back. Sorry. But I have the plumbing. The plumber started. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. So, Mickey, now you've uh, you got your uh, your medical accreditation out of the Air Force and things like that. You served your country, uh, and just like Christy said, I also want to mimic. Thank you for your service. Uh, now let's get into the medical profession. What was it like when you first started? and then bring us into modern times. Sure. I felt blessed by God at that point in my life. I was a Christian, and I don't know if anyone else has experienced that, but there were times when I was serving God. There were times when I wasn't. I was battling, uh, you know, during those years. But I was very grateful to have this opportunity, and I felt like uh, that God had given me an opportunity to succeed in life, whereas I felt like a complete failure before the military. So at that time, that's how I viewed it. As I began to work in the hospital environment, uh, there was so much stress that I would notice not only I was under, but 
a lot of medical people are under because you are having, you're dealing with people's lives. You are dealing with humanity. You are dealing with um, people that are coming to you at the lowest point of their lives, that they are humbled, they are sick, they are wounded. And how are we going to help this population? And I felt a sense of just caring and compassion towards people when they had to come to the hospital in that condition. So my heart went out to the people even then. I loved every patient, regardless of the situation. Um, and as I began to go through my medical career, uh, of course, you learn so much in that career, you get better at what you do. But what was happening that I didn't see was this underlying process of doing what I say. Well, the CDC recommends this. This is by the FDA. So we follow this guideline. We and I and I was asleep for many, many years. I was not uh, you know, awake like I am now. So I did not realize uh, that there was literally a cult of the medics. I mean, the Air Force, I felt freedom. But being in the medical field, I began to feel trapped again. Uh, and I had a question always in the back of my mind. Uh, is this what God has called me to do to come in, punch a clock, work for somebody else and be, you know, subjected to this amount of pressure? I, I still have to get the injections that they tell me I have to get. Otherwise, I'm fired. I still have to do this. I I didn't realize just how um, how my mind had been manipulated by the medical profession uh, during all of those years. And as a matter of fact, I did not even wake up to that, what was going on until um, until COVID hit. And how are the doctors? Uh, you know, the, the nurses are often kind of have been a lot of the heroes, uh, quite honestly, and the nurses have fought back uh, visibly uh, in many cases. And, you know, we all know anyone who's been in the hospital knows that uh, the nurses tend to do a lot of the work. Uh, however, what's the relationship between nurses and doctors? Can you, is there a power structure there or a struggle? So I think that um, every individual is so different, right? Every character is unique. And I feel very um, reluctant to say, to group anybody together in that because I have met physicians who are so humble and they just love the Lord. And I have met physicians who are do as I say right now or get out of my OR. And I have met nurses who love the Lord and love humanity. And I have met nurse ratchets along the way. <laughs> and uh, I have worked in the medical community you know, within diagnostic imaging where, you know, we are taking care of people who are uh, addicted, who are wounded, who are sick, who are fighting cancer. And I've seen some of the medical community, you know, talk bad about patients and not, not care about them. And then I've seen other medical professionals that will go to the ends of the earth to make sure that these people are taken care of. So it's, um, it's a wide range. The relationship between doctors and nurses, though, if I did have to put that, like for the most part, um, physicians are responsible for everything that happens, but the nurses do everything. My mom is a retired nurse and they, I mean, she had to do so much. A nurse is literally a liaison between a physician and a patient. So her character and her um, education and her heart is everything when anybody any of us have to go to a doctor's office for lab work or go to a, a, an emergency room after a car accident it lies on that nurse 
everything that's going to happen, whether that outcome is going to be, you know, successful or not, and that patient's going to have an experience that they can talk about later as good or bad, it really does lie in, in the nurse. And so I have, I mean, I know that medical uh, professionals went from heroes to zeros very, very quickly uh, in the last couple of years, but I can't say enough about the nursing community and the heart of, of nurses and the medical professionals. Do you think that it's some of the some of the issues that when I heard you saying about the CDC and um, the guidelines, do you think that this starts in the schools? Because, I mean, the schools are technically owned by the same large corporations or funds that the large corporations fund that also fund the who they fund you know, the schools, they're funding everything. The Rockefeller um, Foundation. Yeah, the Rockefeller Foundation. They own the, the medical tyranny around the world, essentially. Mm -hmm. And by the way, Gates is a Rockefeller. Yeah. And so, you know, yes. you've got these same people that are educating you, right? So they are basically, you know, spending years brainwashing you that you're paying for, that you're going into debt for. And then you're coming out and you're told that the who the cdc like don't look don't look at anything they do or say because they're much smarter than you because we've taught you that they're much smarter than you um, but it isn't it interesting that there these are not laws and that there is this hippocratic oath so they really want to put it off on nurses and doctors mm -hmm. to supposedly do the right thing and take care of your patient like we've taught you to do that and your hippocratic oath but we've also taught you not to question the cdc the who and we really haven't even taught you how to look up things i mean doctors and nurses weren't even able to enter documentation on the VAERS website so how in the world? And then, you know, it was being wiped clean. There are whistleblowers that have come forward, you know, saying that this has That's been right. wiped clean. Mm -hmm. And, you know, but what really got me is there's so few people that were questioning mm -hmm. any of these things. And, and so I have to just go back to that. It's brainwashing, you know, that it's part of the brainwashing process along with the media's propaganda. Yes, absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more. And I'll tell you, when I started realizing that I had gone through an entire other brainwashing type of scenario, mm -hmm. it was, again, humiliating. You know, you think, how, how can I, as a human being, how did I let this happen? You know, but ultimately, when somebody comes to you and they just say, hey, how are you doing? And, you know, and they just tell you a lie. You have no reason not to believe it until you do have a reason not to believe it. Can you give an example of that? Just so because I think that's that's I guess that's what, really what I'm fishing for you sure. know, from you is like, how can people identify people, you know, you, you were in captivity for seven months, you know what it's like to be brainwashed for seven months and how it actually breaks your spirit, breaks you down. You talked about that the last episode, but how can people, how can nurses and doctors today, you know, was there a trigger for you? That's like, oh my gosh, this is like kind of taking me back to yes. the captivity. And, you know, because I do feel like they're held captive because of their licenses, because of their insurances, by the way, the same people own their insurance companies. Mm -hmm. So they own the licensing organizations, they own their insurance companies, they own the lawyers that could potentially sue, they own the bar. <laughs> That's right. all, yeah, I mean, all of this is, is absolutely ridiculous. And by the way, comes out of the United Kingdom underneath the governance supposedly of the queen. I mean, so this, the, the web just is like this. It's like, you know, you can't even like weave it any tighter. Um, so That's right. 
and how to untangle that. Yeah. And how, I was going to say, when did you realize what, what was there a moment that was set off that you're like, Oh my gosh, this is what they're doing. Yes. Yes, there was. So you've asked me two questions. I want to answer the first one first. And that is, does this start in the education system? Our kindergartners and preschoolers cannot even go to school without having injections. So it starts with our children from the onset. And those are not the same people who are telling us we have to get injected in the hospital. So is there a bigger entity? Yes, mm -hmm. it is above the doctors and nurses. And I know that both of you know that yes, yeah. but for the audience sake, you know, Definitely. when you join the military, there's injections. There is a, such a larger picture here that tells us that we have no bodily autonomy. And we all know that that is, you know, incorrect because God gave us bodily on autonomy. And in Galatians 5, 1, he tells us live as free men. Do not go back and live as slaves. I have freed you. Mm -hmm. Do not go back into slavery. Yeah, and okay. he does tell us that, and we don't listen, and we 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 know it's there. Yeah, we know, but but I, and I don't know about Jeff, but I mean, my daughter had all of her shots, you know. So I'm not this anti-vaxxer person. I've even heard my daughter, you know, tell her friends now, and she's an NP, a nurse practitioner, that you know, no, my mom's not really an anti-vaxxer. She's just anti this vax, you know, anti. But now, if I knew what I knew then, I would not have given her any. I just want that. I'm the same clear. way. And I did. I was under that same impression, Christy. Mm -hmm. And so I vaccinated my daughter. I mean, I did. She had all of the vaccines, mm -hmm. uh, you know, all the way to um, uh, Gardasil, everything, everything, mm -hmm. yep. you know, it, I had no clue. I was so brainwashed that yes. I had absolutely no clue. But I just praise God that my daughter is awake. Her and my son-in-law had my grandson at home because they were so afraid that if they went to the hospital, there were going to be things that happened there uh, that they didn't have control over. And uh, and these are their children. Our children belong mm -hmm. to us as human beings, given to us by God, certainly not given to us by the cabal. They're trying to kill children. Mm -hmm. So yeah. we have to look at that big picture. And I'm so grateful that my grandchildren are not vaccinated. My older one, the uh, three-year-old granddaughter, she did get a, a couple of vaccines early on. And then as we began to expose this, I went from I believe in vaccinations too. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm not an anti-vaxxer. I'm just anti-COVID vax. Okay. Uh, if I can say that. Mm -hmm. And then I did more research and I became an anti-vaxxer like that. Mm -hmm. And that's where I stand yeah. to this day. No yeah. more vaccines. Not for me. My you know, kids, it's, I think it's nobody. It's nope. funny. I was never really an anti-vaxxer. I was never really anti, uh, I was anti-established government because I saw through that mm -hmm. 30, 40 years ago. Uh, but my daughter, uh, not one shot. Wow. Good for you, Jeff. We had to fight the schools and it was easy. Wow. Because they and say it's mandatory, but it's just uh, mandatory is like a mandate. Uh, no. Yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah. You're not telling me what exactly. to do. I and you just have to stand it. up. Mm -hmm. and, and we did, quite honestly. And uh, Well, half the time they don't even know what to do, Jeff. I mean, like, they don't even know what to do when somebody says, no, they're not going to, right? Like, I mean, did you ever have to go to a... No, because it's so hearing? rare. Yeah, I was going to say, because it is so rare because we've all just complied. Okay. So we're not non-compliant people. I mean, we're probably, I mean, Mickey, I think it, it sounds like you and I and, and Jeff, even you, like, I mean, we're somewhat normal, you know, before all of this. I mean, so, I mean, I would just say that we, we're, we're like 
many, many of our audience members, I mean, we, we, yes, yes. when you've just like woken up along the way. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I know that there are people listening that, you know, they're like, well, how do you do it? How do you take off the mask? How do you, you just do it. You don't you just ask. Do yeah. Because they don't even know what to do when you, when you're not compliant. I mean, what are they going to do? They're going to call the police on you. You know, they're not going to let your kid go to school. Okay. Keep your kid out of school. I mean, but that, yeah, that's what everyone should do right now, by yeah. the way. Yeah. yeah. I was going to say they're homeschooling. Yeah. yeah but they're, they're not even going to do that because they need that $10,000 per child. You know, so they're not even going to do that. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I mean, it's just the encouragement of, that people need to to stop complying with every mandate or every rule. And I was hearing you say um, that the regulations, they call things regulations, mandates, you know, think about what they call them, you know, in the hospital, right? Like, I mean, yes. yeah, they don't even call it like, I don't even think they call it a rule. Do they make you like, in other words, like policy? Yeah. Policy, procedures, guidelines, you know, yes, those kinds of things. And so guidelines, guidelines. Lines. those are lines that you're supposed to go on, right? And it's a guide. I mean, it doesn't say the end result, right? So it's so true, but they, um, but then there's the other side. If you don't follow this guideline or this mm-hmm. mandate or this policy uh, or procedure, then you can't work for us. You can't yeah. work for us. Yeah. Because yes, so that entire you know, I'm not sure if you were going to say something else real quick. I was going to talk about no, 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 no. no, no. I was just going to add protocol to the list. Protocol, Protocol, you know, you know, these are just words that they use that are they're they're fake. Yes, they are. And I think when we're growing up, I know when I was growing up, I wanted to be a role follower. Like I wanted to be loved and I would have been, you know, that, that little kid that just never let go of her mommy's leg. You know, I wanted to comply. I wanted to be obedient. I had that sense of the word of God tells us to honor our parents and to be obedient and follow the laws of man. Didn't understand what the laws were, but you have this, you know, when, when you love the Lord, you have a desire to do good and a desire to do what's right. And so it's very confusing when that desire to do what's right um, ends up being a a vulnerable area that somebody else can um, manipulate for their good. And so I think that's what happens. And I think that that has happened and is continuing to happen in the medical establishment. Um, There are so many good people that are working in the hospitals. I have had, when I left, there's so, so many healthcare workers have reached out to me and said, I wish I could do what you did, but I can't, I can't, I have to pay the bills. And I'm here to say to that, so do I, so Mm -hmm. do I. I'm not a trust fund baby. I have to make an alternative living and I have found a way to do that now. But if you don't step out in faith, you know, that's completely taken away. I mean, how many things have not been done because somebody was not, um, didn't stand up, you know, for what they needed. I'm not judging anybody who's in the medical field. I'm not, I get it. But so many people ask me what to do. The number one thing is do not comply. So when I was in the hospital, I was uh, I, I triggered. I, I know the word triggered can be used, uh, you know, by the liberal uh, agenda. I'm triggered. I need the cry room, you know, but. <laughs> you know, but um, I definitely was triggered. I was, you know, working in imaging and CAT scan and um, cardio procedures. And uh, during that time, 
when COVID hit, it was my responsibility to ask, uh, are you vaccinated or not vaccinated with, with the COVID-19 vaccination? Have you had that or not? And the reason that we were told that to begin with is because we were looking for side effects. Is this person's mm -hmm. arm, you know, this person's arm numb? Uh, when you got the vaccine, have you ever, did you experience, are you okay? You know, what's been going on? So what was that? And, and I thought, wow, well, that's honorable. At least our radiologists are, you know, having us ask this question so that they can narrow this down a little bit and start to look at that. Um, but then I quickly, quickly learned, well, first of all, they told us that we didn't have to ask that anymore. And all of a sudden, January 2021 comes along and they're asking for volunteers for the medical staff to, to get vaccinated. So I'm thinking, well, that's great for the volunteers who would like to, you know, they're they're literally consenting to be a human experiment. They were asking for volunteers. You don't ask for volunteers to do something when you know all of the side effects and the repercussions and what can happen if that's injected into your body, right? So there were all of these people who volunteered. I was just beginning though, during this time to wake up. And my first initial thought was, I'm gonna wait to see what this does. It's not mandatory, mandatory. So I don't have to comply. I never had to comply, but I thought I did. So I'm just going to let them be the guinea pigs if they want to do that. I mean, they're volunteering for it. So, you know, let them do that. It was just two months later when they were getting their second vaccine that we began to talk about, you know, not we, but the establishment began to talk about the possibility of mandates in the future. Uh, and I was, you want to talk about being triggered. I was all over the place. I was like, I don't want this in my body. And I started to research things and I started to define graphene oxide and who has the secret patent? Why is it that when I look at this particular injection, graphene oxide is not listed in the ingredients because so-and-so owns, you know, a certain patent that's right. a secret. Uh, by um, the way, I don't think a lot of our audience knows about the patent. I don't know. There is there is a patent on graphene yes, oxide. Yes. But some, yes, some of our yes. audience may know, but there is a patent. As a matter of fact, it was actually filed in court last week and they did not, do you know that they did not get an answer as to whether the people that actually have taken this vaccination are now owned by the patent holder. They have not gotten right. the answer. Right. I think we can infer, uh, you mm -hmm. know, and that is that is so sad. And of course, that is by a worldly definition, because anyone who loves God, we know who owns us. We know right. that we are a slave to our master. And, and those words are really hard to say sometimes, I think, when, when you're coming out of captivity in, of any kind, any kind of chains, any kind of bondage, like Jeff was saying, uh, bad marriage and uh, you know broken relationships and abuse. You don't want to ever say, I'm a slave to my master. And on a spiritual level, I had a hard time with that for a very long time until I realized what an honor that is, what an mm -hmm. honor it is to be a slave to the master of my life, Jesus Christ. So uh, I definitely, you know, can understand that that patent and the things that are um, in the ingredients list don't have to be general knowledge. And I think a lot of us as from the patient perspective, we are not the patriot perspective, <laughs> but the, the patient <laughs> perspective on like your website. That's the website. <laughs> but, um, from the patient's point of view, we trust the medical establishment. We are in need and we trust that they're going to meet our needs. Uh, and we've been taught that to trust that. So alternative medicine is disregarded. Holistic medicine is disregarded. These things are disregarded because that does not serve the purpose of, you know, of big pharma or anything like that. So 
I did begin to question this. I started listening to um, the other side. I started looking into people who were looking at the vaccines and, and getting vials and looking them at them under microscopes. And, and, and they were putting their lives on the line because you're not allowed to have these vials. And so there has to be this chain of custody, you know, that has to be followed and they were doing everything right. So during my research, and here I am still performing radi radiographic procedures, um, I'm starting to realize, oh my goodness, the establishment is telling me that mandates are coming. The establishment is beginning to tell me that I need to push the vaccine for patients. They're telling me that I can't share my personal views. They're mm -hmm. telling me all of these things uh, and that I have to go along with the CDC, uh, you know, the NIAID, the NIH, the World Health Organization. And by the way, when the world, when I found out about the World Health Organization, that's a red flag. Just the name. Mm -hmm. That's a red flag. That's a little global if you, you know. Yeah, anything so, with world in it and has a serpent in the logo. Yeah, <laughs> you know, exactly. You might want to think the prince of the air is involved. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. And why didn't I see that serpent? I always wondered about that when I was asleep. Yeah, was why like, would they have a snake as a medical symbol, right? They were warning us. They were warning us. And That's all cool. while, you know, when they were talking about the science, it's all about the science, the science. Well, what about the scientists that came forward that said that Yeshua is written in our DNA? I mean, so why do they want to destroy our DNA? Maybe because our Lord and Savior's name is written in our DNA. And that is scientific proof. They have validated that. They have put out videos from it to show you what's there. Yeah. Yahuwah. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And I am proud to still have that DNA in my body. <laughs> you know? I, I am proud was, and there's some people who are listening to this and have been forced to. God yes. is bigger than this. This is That's not right. the mark of the beast. The mark of the beast there's no coming back from blaspheming the spirit. There's no coming back from yeah. this. God's That's got right. you. That's exactly right. And again, and it comes back to that, you know, the wolves in sheep's clothing uh, that have lied to so many, you don't know it's a lie until you know, it's a lie. And so mm -hmm. uh, we are so grateful to be under the blood of Christ for sure. Uh, and to have um, uh, an opportunity for um, restoration in that for sure. I, I couldn't agree more. So one question just about, because specifically you were doing imaging and stuff like that. And, yes. uh, and you know, people were starting to get vaxxed and stuff like that. And, I, and we, I, I know it probably wouldn't show up on your screens, but we have seen the microscopes with these like hydras and stuff growing yes, in. And I've watched some of these creepy black goo videos and, you yes. know, we've even discussed it on it. Did you ever see anything in the, uh, in your field, and maybe not even in the imaging, but just as people coming in with the adverse effects and things like that uh, in the radiology. And tell us about that. Absolutely. And especially in the beginning, because I was questioning people. Um, if I had a dime for every patient who told me, yes, I got the first vaccine, but I'm not getting the second one because now I can't, <clears throat> excuse me, I can't lift my arm and my vision went blurry. And I mean, just the, the amount of side effects that were happening, people were coming into the emergency room and the medical staff was dismissing 
that as any kind of possible side effect to the vaccine, it was dismissed. So because those things are dismissed, and then we had, you know, people who were turning away the unvaccinated, there is a, a judgment. There was, there started to emerge quite quickly, um, a judgment of the unvaxxed. I know that we're all familiar with that, right? What's one of the steps of communism? Divide. You have to divide your people so that you can conquer them all. So this division started to happen. And that was the trigger that you asked me about, Christy. All of a sudden, as I'm going through this process, doing all of this research, um, a policy came down uh, from our establishment, from our president and CEO. Uh, and he said that they put it into a policy and procedure that if you are unvaccinated, you had to wear an orange name tag. If you're vaccinated, you wear a blue name tag. And I mean, it's like at that moment, it flew all over me. I was like, aren't you the same person who told me that we have to respect HIPAA violations? We have mm -hmm. to respect HIPAA people's privacy. And you are telling me that I now have to wave a banner on whether I've gotten this particular injection that you call a vaccine. Why is it that my autonomy, that my privacy is not being respected, but I have to respect yeah, no, the privacy and autonomy of, of patients. It was just overwhelming to me. I felt like at once again, that I was being pushed into this place that you are nothing, that you are a rebel, you are disobedient. And I, it just, I thought, how can they do this to us? How can they make us do that? That started me on a a mission, I began to question my peers, my coworkers. What do you think about this? What do you think about that? Um, we had a situation where they were celebrating that June, uh, Gay Pride Month. And so the nurses in the emergency room, they were all wearing rainbow masks in celebration of this event. And we have to wear standard masks. You can't, you know, outside of that. So just, let's just talk about policy and procedure for a minute. That goes against policy and procedure. So I thought, wow, okay, so I have to wear an orange badge. If I'm not vaccinated, I decided to embrace it. I got a bright neon orange headband and I had bright neon <laughs> earrings and I, had, I would wear a bright orange t-shirt <laughs> under my scrubs. And I mean, I was just, I was wearing orange everywhere I went. And I got called aside to, to human resources saying that you cannot do that. To which I pulled up that picture that was posted on Facebook of the, the healthcare professionals that were wearing the rainbow mask. And I said, so they can wear this because of what they believe, but you're telling me I can't, I, that just seems a little bit, I don't know, judgmental. Is it because, you know, the agenda here at the hospital means that we're going to support their, they are the front line. When people come into the emergency room, you see your frontline staff mm -hmm. that do CPR to save your life and they're making a political stand, but mm -hmm. I cannot. Yeah. If I was rushed into the hospital and they're wearing rainbow masks. Yes. Yes. So those. Uh, are that, those that would be. Things. That yeah, that that's not a place where they should be making any political stand. Uh, you that's just want right. someone to care for you, right? That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And so I brought, you know, I did bring that to to the attention of human resources. Of course, um, you know, by that time, uh, it would have gone no, were, nowhere. 
No, because we all know that there's an agenda. We all know that there's a narrative. And unfortunately, you know, Satan lives on the fence. You're either on one side or the other, you know, in your heart, in your mind. So I began to fight in that way. I began to, um, you know, I was working with now the freedom doctors that were no longer, that were being, you know, excommunicated from the medical church. You know, they were, uh, their licenses were being threatened. Well, I started the the uh, a liberty union for the establishment that I was working with. And um, people just began by the droves to sign up to be a part of this union. It was outside of work. It was within policy and procedures. I looked it up to make sure. And at that time, we began to, they didn't, a lot of the people within the medical system they didn't want to stand up. People were terrified. They were living in fear. Their hearts were saying one thing, but you know, their wallet was saying another and they were living in fear of repercussion. Uh, so I love it that in the word of God, he says, do not fear. How many times? A lot of times, a do, lot. Not, fear, do yeah. not be afraid, uh, you know, for I am with you wherever you go. Do not be afraid. So I began to um, be this liaison between the medical community and the freedom physicians. And I, I valued that position uh, more than I could even express here. Um, so that's where that fight began. But as things were beginning to unfold in the hospital and I started bringing up the, the policy of the badges, they called them badge buddies. I don't know whose buddy they thought we needed to be, but they certainly weren't mine and I wasn't theirs. We were not I friends. Feel the tension building even as you're telling this story. So can <laughs> I, I can imagine this is over uh since the since the orange badge till the time you made the resignation. Just give us a timeline. Was that one month, two months, three months? Weeks. Just a few weeks. weeks. Just a few weeks and, and under, under a few quick. months. It escalated very, very quickly. And we fought that and we had people sign petitions against this policy and we won. The CEO backed off and he said, you know what, let me rethink this because so many people, you know, um, who were willing to have a voice about that expressed that. And so, you know, we we won that small battle. Um, and so then, of course, we all know that the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid were saying we're not going to continue to give you funding unless your, your staff is vaccinated. So we helped hundreds of people get their religious uh, exemptions from the from the vaccine. Uh, By the way, this is this is an organization we pay into. So what right do they have to say? I mean, this is Medicare and Medicaid. Don't we, don't our tax dollars go into that? I mean, yes. so who are they to well, determine? You, you, you must think Social Security is going to be there for you. <laughs> no, I don't. Don't worry. Yeah, yeah. Devastating. It's Devastating. Like a joke. But I mean, I'm just saying we have to remind ourselves that the people that are being treated under that also paid in tax dollars that are being taken out of your check for Medicare and Medicaid. And they're turning around and saying, oh, we, we're not going to send those dollars. I mean, mm -hmm. who decides that? Exactly. You know, like what what oligarch, what one person, you know, uh, you have to ask yourself, was Anthony Fauci over that, too? Because his wife was over the NIH. You know, mm -hmm. very few people know that. So we have to wake up here. I mean, this is this sounds like probably a group of less than a board of people, I'll say, probably less than eight people decided that no hospital is going to get Medicare and Medicaid funds. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. But you got to hand it to them. It's, listen, I'm what a so against team. obviously, but this is the greatest scam ever. Yeah. You know, we pay these people to enslave them. Mm -hmm. You know, in the old days, kings got slaves to work, but they had to give them food. You yeah. know, yes. like we pay these people. That's right. Yeah. 
So they were trying to use the badge thing, just like yellow stars in Nazi Germany. And that's exactly how that started. Imagine if the first people there had realized like, oh, we need to stand up and stand against this. We do not need to ever start wearing the yellow stars. Speaking of which, um, Trader Joe's would do the same thing. They, if you would not wear a mask here in Florida, and I have a video of this, if you would not wear a mask here in Florida, do you know that you had to have a cart with a red flag on the top? And there were only two in the store at a time available. Wow. Yeah. I mean, so this is not just in the medical. This is something Trader Joe's did in Freedom, Florida, everyone. And guess what? I went through the store. There was a mom and her daughter standing outside. I said, come on in. We're going to shop together in the same cart. Let's go. <laughs> like, we don't even know what to do. But, do you know, I mean, I can't even say, but th there was a person that worked at the Trader Joe's that that gave me the PR and that's when I started against Trader Joe's. But if people don't stand up, you're going to, you will fall for anything. That's right. That's, right. that's exactly right. We are commanded in the word of God to be aware. We have got to understand that not only that there is an enemy because there is one, but who that enemy is, it's our responsibility to know our enemy. How can we fight against an enemy we can't define? And That's so right. if God has called us to be soldiers and there are so, and God is a soldier. When you read, when you read the Bible, you realize he's a warrior. He's a yes. warrior. And, and he has called us to stand, to be brave, courageous, and to be warriors in his army. So I, I just agree with you 100%. That is, I did not know that about Trader Joe's. Mm -hmm. um, I knew that there was a thing and I knew that I wasn't going to shop there, but I didn't, I didn't know the specifics. So thank you you know, so much for sharing that, Chris. I mean, listen, so, I still shop look. at Trader Joe's. I'm not saying don't shop at Trader Joe's because they changed it pretty much immediately. But I'm just well, saying good. I was probably the, the only person that stood against it. Wow. I mean, but sometimes it only takes one. So when yes. people are asking, you know, how can you do it? Sometimes it could only be one person, but somebody has to do it. If nobody does it, if everybody's compliant, guess what? You're going to be living in fear and you're going to be living under this tyrannical people and tyrannical government. And trust me, the minute they're through with that manager at Trader Joe's or the people out there, they're going to toss you to the wind too. Because yeah. guess what? They've already tried by making vaccinations mandatory in some of these organizations. That they're not mandatory. Manned a story. Man yes. gave you a story. Yes, that's right. That's right. So, so Nikki, let's get back to what. What was the final thing that made you put out your resignation uh, letter? And then I we got to get into the content sure. because it's Absolutely. epic. Let's do it. Um, so what ended up happening is as I was going through my research, I started to realize I cannot be complicit. I felt like I was complicit in people dying. I started realizing that the hospital was getting paid seven different times for COVID diagnoses, intubation and things like that, admitting into the hospital. They were getting paid for each separate event. Uh, I watched a, a physician, you know, attacked me in front of my entire team. A physician just attacked me and said, I can't believe that you're not getting vaccinated. If you, you know, when you get COVID, don't come, don't come to me to save you. He was so irate and so derogatory. And I wonder how many times he got COVID with his vaccine. Oh my goodness. I, 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 I never got it. I'm just saying yeah. Yeah, me either. We had been friends for so many years. Our kids were in youth group together. I mean, my daughter knew his children. I mean, it just it, years. This is years of relationship in, in this establishment that I worked in. So I was going through all of that. And uh, and at that very moment, 
there was a patient being wheeled from our department back to the ICU who had been tested positive for COVID through our fake PCR testing. So who knows, you know, but they were going back and intubated and, you know, passed away later. Um, and he used that patient as, you know, an example to me, if you want to die like that patient right there is going to in the hallway, then don't get vaccinated. So at, at, it was getting to a place, there, a, a boiling point was beginning to happen. And to where I was standing up, I was standing up against physicians. I was standing in judgment. The people around me in my department were just shocked. They were, you know, some of them were on my side and supporting what I did. But at the same time, you know, it was just a terrifying you know, thing. People were walking in fear. I was not walking in fear. The Lord gave me a boldness. And I began to put that pin to the paper. Uh, and I just wanted to not only expose the, um, the horrificness of mandating anything and attaching somebody's job, you know, to that. But as I was in the hospital, I began to see the corruption that some physicians were trying to order vitamins for their patients in the ICU who had COVID and the lab was authorized to withhold. I mean, the pharmacy was authorized to withhold vitamins and nutrition from patients. I could not be complicit. I I went home. I talked to my daughter, my son-in-law, you know, my son-in-law's mother who loves the Lord. I just began to grieve so much. So like Jeremiah, he didn't want to be a prophet. He didn't want to speak. And then all of a sudden it just came out, you know, you just can't hold back. And that's what happened to me. I could no longer hold back. So I just thought I'm going to write all of this down in a letter, my research, everything about the Nuremberg trials, the Nuremberg code, mm -hmm. all of the, I exposed the corruption that I saw within the um, hospital. I didn't name any names, but I, I just began to put that pen uh, to paper. And it took days for me to, to do this letter because I was number one, I was feeling fear. I was having panic attacks every single day. I was just struggling. I was crying out to God. I was crying tears. I'm like, I'm about to give up my career. God, are you telling me to do this? Or have I just had enough? Is this me? Is this you? Make it clear. And in an instant, it became clear. So I knew in that moment, he helped me write that letter. I feel the Lord guided my hand in every word that I said I in that letter, because I am not that smart. Let me just tell mm -hmm. you, I am not. And, um, and, and it's I, an epic takedown. It really is. So why don't you go ahead and read the letter, Mickey, say, it's a little bit long, uh, but it's worth every moment of reading it. And uh, and please don't pass by the scriptures, you know, uh, okay. make sure okay. you include the men. Uh, this is, uh, ladies and gentlemen, Mickey Lynn. <laughs> this, this is so good i'm muting myself <laughs> what's that this is so good i'm gonna mute myself to make sure that there's no background noise for yeah this. i'm gonna do <laughs> uh, i am about to read this and i just want to just say real quick before i did that um i feel the lord specifically told me to write this to the president and ceo and so because of that and do you want me to mention that name jeff is that is that i mean you it's public, this is a public to... document Feel free. Look, it's public knowledge. Uh, public why not? Knowledge. We're, we're, we're the reporting name, the, the news. Organization. You're the one who made it. <laughs> right. The name, right. the organization, the phone number, his email address. Like, <laughs> I think I think you mentioned it all. Yes. Well, I will. I will go ahead and continue with reading this if you guys are ready. Um, the and this is the the very first article that was written. And by the way, I turned it in on October 14th at 11 p.m. at the end of my shift. I sent this email directly to him. Nobody else. 
Uh, I did tell my boss about it. My boss was aware, my immediate supervisor, um, but I sent it, you know, directly to the president and CEO. Um, this is what you can pull it up online. Obviously, you probably cannot see that, but it says a hospital employee's letter of resignation from Ballad Health. This is one for the ages. That is their words. All um, right. So least, right before you start reading. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> That's what it says. Well, you know what, Nikki? The other thing is, when we get off, I would love to republish your letter with your permission on Patreon's perspective so people can find it easy. It'll go to their inboxes for them. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you for that. Um, so there is a correction. They called me a nurse uh, in, in the beginning and they corrected it to CT technologist. Uh, it says, um, dear Mr. Levine, my name is Mickey Jeans and this is my letter of resignation. I am sending it directly to you because you are the sole reason that I'm resigning from your company, Ballot Health. I will admit that I am constantly learning and that I may not understand the details of your job like you don't understand the details of mine, but there is one thing that I am certain of. You have infringed upon my personal rights and freedoms and the freedom of your employees. I am not concerned about whether or when you choose to mandate the experimental and highly controversial COVID-19 injections. I am concerned that you would even consider it. Let me start by saying that since the onset of my employment with Ballad, long before you took over, I have considered Mountain States Health Alliance is what it was called before, the most favorable company that I had ever had the pleasure of working with. Uh, when you became the CEO, I appreciated your spiritual words of encouragement. I was your advocate. When others came against you, I defended you for no other reason than your consistent religious encouragement. I thought you to be a godly man. I considered you not only a hospital leader worthy of respect, but a friend and a fellow brother in Christ. However, in July 2021, all of that changed. I watched as you adhered to the unconstitutional words of the unelected CDC, FDA, uh, World Health Organization, and OSHA through the Department of Labor, and even the current yet corrupt Biden administration. You consistently sent us emails stating these words, quote unquote, according to the CDC. Admittedly, I was never aware of the evil dictates of these organizations until I was in the position to have to learn more about them. I naively trusted our medical leaders and hospital administrators. I watched you speak on CNN, abusing the Christian conservative Republican stance, urging Americans to take the experimental injections. I wonder if your employees realize that Comirnaty, which is not currently in production in America and will not be until 2023, not the current Pfizer-BioNTech injections, was approved by the FDA. And fraudulently at that, according to Dr. Peter McAuliffe, Dr. Carrie Madej, and Pfizer whistleblower and scientist Karen Kingston, among others. I have recently learned from you that if you did not adhere to the guidance of these, in my opinion, corrupt organizations, you would no longer receive Medicare Medicaid funding. You had a decision to make. You could have and should have found a way to fight for Medicare Medicaid funding while going against the unconstitutional mandates that you instead seem to simply accept. In my opinion, you did not choose wisely. To me, it appears that you chose the success of your company over the freedom and rights of your employees and your patients. You were asked to segregate, separate, and divide over 3,000 employees, and you chose to do that with color-coded badges, indicating their injection status. 
You were asked to make your employees share their private health information and to violate their own HIPAA rights, the very same rights that we have been taught by you and others to honor during my career of over 30 years. I was shocked that you would go along this path of division because you have claimed Christianity. God calls us to bring unity and peace, not division. You had the incredible opportunity to use your platform to stand up for what is right. Could you imagine the mountains you could have moved? Unfortunately, you did not use your platform to stand up for freedom. I read your emails to us where you stated that you were listening to both sides of the current COVID-19 injection opinions, yet I never once heard you inform us that God was your ultimate voice. King David asked God for direction, not his leaders. David wrote in Psalm 118 verse 8 that it is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. Thank goodness Job did not listen to his friends. Joshua 24, 15 says, And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your whether the gods your father served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. 2 Timothy 4, 2 through 4 says this, Preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will, in all caps, accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. We fought back against your mandate and you retreated, admitting that you were wrong, but you made us fight for ourselves. You didn't seem to mind seeing us divided. You didn't seem to mind watching us be browbeaten by doctors and coworkers, including yourself, for choosing not to take these human experimental injections. You didn't seem to mind watching injected cliques of people suddenly put on masks and socially distance themselves when an uninjected person walked up to them. You were asked to support the injections that corrupt global elites choose to falsely call a vaccine, again, in my opinion which matters just as much as yours. I would like to encourage you to listen to God's word in 1 Timothy 6.20, which says, Keep that which is committed to thy trust. Avoid profane and vain babblings and oppositions of science, falsely so-called, which some professing have erred concerning the faith. The moment you told every single one of your employees, employees via email that we would face disciplinary action up to termination if we did not comply with your badge buddy system, I saw you in a completely different light. When you began to encourage the COVID-19 injections, I felt that you absolutely did not care about the freedom of anybody. As a veteran of the United States Air Force, I value every God-given freedom that I have. In my life, I endured seven months of captivity, and I learned to value and to always fight for the human rights and freedoms of every human being. You should be ashamed for making your employees fight for their God-given inalienable, inalienable rights. You cannot serve two masters, Matthew 6, 24. You cannot serve God and money. You will either love one and hate the other or hate one and love the other. We haven't received a biblical devotion from you in quite some time. I humbly suggest that you start with this one. As for the CDC, FDA, and the, and the WHO, I am surprised that you, an educated and Christian man, cannot see right through what Bill Gates, Anthony Fauci, and the billionaire global elites on this earth are trying to do. I do hope at this point that you will consider opening your eyes to the evil and corrupt global agenda of which you are unfortunately a part. 
if you were on the side of freedom and humanity and the army of God himself, it never would have crossed your mind to segregate and discriminate your employees and consider mandating these injections for the sake of financial, of the financial Medicare, Medicaid gods. If you would have stood against this from the beginning, I would have respected you and stood with you to fight against government overreach. During these last few months, I have educated myself on your history. I have learned of the prior accusations against you regarding setting admission goals for the Florida hospital in Broward County at 20%. I am concerned that money has driven you for years. And sir, quite honestly, I have grieved over learning what you truly seem to value. Money, not employees, not people, not humanity, not freedom. You seem to believe that this is a medical crisis and not a global bioweapon against humanity. You seem to believe these injections should be mandated. You seem to believe that your employees cannot see the truth. You have gone as far as to increase wages by 20% plus other financial incentives to keep people working for you. I personally have been informed that you have increased my hourly wage by 20%. 20%. I cannot be bought. Vulnerable people who work for Ballot Health are trying to financially care for their families. You have selfishly made us choose between our morality and money. You have even written condescending letters to people, including your employees, in the public eye of Facebook, who do not share your views. Therefore, I will bring this to the public eye. I didn't have to, by the way. You have accused those who speak the truth of spreading misinformation and disinformation. I believe that you are spreading misinformation and disinformation. The point is that everybody has the right to their opinion, their own research and decisions. We are free. Those who are speaking the truth are being bullied and put down, even threatened that their medical licenses will be pulled. I believe it is you who should be pulled and punished. You will answer to God for your actions on this earth. We all will. Shame on you, Mr. Levine. I have watched as some of our honorable physicians have tried to order vitamins and nutrients for their patients who are suffering from COVID-19. They have ordered medications only to be undermined by you. With all due respect, neither you nor I are physicians, and we do not have the authority to authorize or not authorize orders from a physician. I have read in the charts of patients here at Ballad where physicians have had to state, quote, Ballad does not allow the use of zinc or vitamin C in the treatment of COVID-19. Despite a doctor's order, pharmacy is authorized to withhold it, end quote. The public and this community have a right to know that. They have a right to know that you have not authorized hydroxychloroquine, ivermectin, azithromycin, colchicine, IV, or super therapeutic dose vitamins or minerals for use for COVID-19 at Ballot Health facilities outside of clinical trial and why. To summarize the words of those who stand for Tennessee, I never would have imagined that I would be fighting government mandates and requirements by, my words, Ballot Health, to receive a non-FDA approved experimental treatment for a disease with a 99.5% survival rate. Governments absolutely should not mandate any sort of treatment like vaccines for which manufacturers carry no fault or liability for injuries or damages. Medical decisions should be the sole responsibility of the individual, and in the case of minors, parental rights should and still do reign supreme over any governmental authority. These rights are God-given, inalienable, and constitutionally secured. Medical tyranny has no place in America or in Tennessee. Many people have died with COVID-19, not from it. I will take this time to remind you of the 10 points of the Nuremberg Code. Number one, the voluntary consent of the human subject is absolutely essential. This means that the person involved should have the legal capacity to give consent, 
should be so situated as to be able to exercise free power of choice without the intervention of any element of force, fraud, deceit, duress, overreaching, or other ulterior forms of constraint or coercion, and should have sufficient knowledge and comprehension of the elements of the subject matter involved as to enable him to make an understanding and enlightened decision. Do you want me to read the specifics of each point or just hit the points, Jeff? You want me to read all of that? Uh, well, you, could, you I guess you could just uh, generalize it, but it's up to you. Listen, you're I better. think you should read the whole thing, Mickey. I okay. really think you should read the whole thing. If you have time, sure, I, think I you do. read the whole thing you because the, there are many listeners that will not even have the opportunity. And I've already learned something in this letter because I think I read it a really long time ago and that I'll discuss at the very end. I have a okay. whistleblower that has confirmed some of what you're saying. Um, about the Broward County Hospital that I'll oh, yes. we'll discuss at the end. Absolutely. Uh, this latter element requires that before the acceptance of an affirmative decision by the experimental subject, there should be made known to him the nature, duration, and purpose of the experiment, the method and means by which it is to be conducted, all inconveniences and hazards reasonably to be expected, and the effects upon his health or person which may possibly come from his participation in the experiment. The duty and responsibility for ascertaining the quality of the consent rests upon each individual who initiates, directs, or engages in the experiment. It is a personal duty and responsibility which may not be delegated to another with impunity. Two, the experiment should be such as to yield fruitful results for the good of society, unprocurable by other methods or means of study and not random and unnecessary in nature. Three, the experiment should be so designed and based on the results of animal experimentation and a knowledge of the natural history of the disease or other problem under study that the anticipated results will justify the performance of the experiment. Four, the experiment should be so conducted as to avoid all unnecessary physical and mental suffering and injury. Five, no experiment should be conducted where there is an a priori reason to believe that death or disabling injury will occur, except perhaps in those experiments where the experimental physicians also serve as subjects. Six, the degree of risk to be taken should never exceed that determined by the humanitarian importance of the problem to be solved by the experiment. Seven, Proper preparation should be made and adequate facilities provided to protect the experimental subject against even remote possibilities, even remote possibilities of injury, disability, or death. The experiment should be conducted only by scientifically qualified persons. The highest degree of skill and care should be required through all stages of the experiment of those who conduct or engage in the experiment. Nine. During the course of the experiment, the human subject should be at liberty to bring the experiment to an end if he has reached the physical or mental state where continuation of the experiment seems to him to be impossible. 10. During the course of the experiment, the scientist in charge must be prepared to terminate the experiment at any stage if he has probable cause to believe in the exercise of the good faith, superior skill, and careful judgment required of him that a continuation of the experiment is likely to result in injury, disability, or death to the experimental subject. There is no informed consent because to date there is no accurate, unprotested factual information to consent to. 
Mr. Levine, because you consistently profess to adhere to the CDC guidelines in order to make your decisions, here are some numbers from the CDC that you may want to be aware of. Keep in mind that a study from Harvard University has shown that less than 1% of all vaccine injuries, illnesses, and deaths are reported to VAERS. As of October 1st, 2021, I'll read these numbers. These numbers are exponentially greater in the last seven months. These statistics were seven months ago. Over 16,000 deaths, over 75,000 hospitalizations, over 87,000 urgent care visits, over 121,000 doctor's office visits, over 7,000, I just get choked up, I'm sorry, <laughs> over 7,000 anaphylactic reactions, over 9,000 cases of Bell's policy, uh, palsy, over 2,000 miscarriages, over 7,000 heart attacks, over 8,000 myocarditis and pericarditis situations, over 23,000 permanently disabled, over 3,000 thrombocytopenia low platelets, over 17,000 life-threatening, over 30,000 severe allergic reactions, over 9,000 cases of shingles. Uh, HTTPS colon slash slash openvares.com slash COVID dash data if anybody wants to see the current numbers. The Can I just interject there for a second? Please, uh, because what, what they've said is that the uh, the VAERS numbers typically you could times it by 20. So if this is seven months ago, there were 16,000 deaths directly related. That was 320,000. We're in the millions now, folks. Oh, well, and this is only keep in mind. Okay, so in a normal situation with a normal vaccination during a non pandemic, there are less than 1% reported to VAERS. Okay, less than 1%. So you can take that, whatever the numbers are, times them by 99, and that would be a more accurate count. But not only that, but I don't know if this was, there's been a whistleblower from VAERS come about VAERS and other systems. There's two other systems that the CDC claims to use. They have proof that they wipe the system clean. Okay. That's how many there are. And Jeff, I'm going to, I'm going to please ask you to, to air an interview that I did with my friend, Danae, um, Danae Dixon. She is severely injured. She's a gay girl, severely injured by the commie, um, California dictators in a hospital. Okay. She can barely speak. I will have the interview, uh, you know, the audio cleaned up a little bit because at the time she could not get her story out to anyone. Okay. And she works in the hospital. Her case was not even reported to VAERS. Okay. Because doctors and nurses could not even figure out the VAERS system. They don't want them to figure it out. OK, they had no instruction even about theirs prior to it. So the ones that did figure out that they're supposed to report because they kind of forgot from medical school, then they couldn't even figure out how the system worked. The system didn't either take the request. I mean, there's multiple videos where whistleblowers have come forward saying that this VAR system is absolute fraud. If they can change our elections, they can definitely change the VAR system. Because let me tell you. Yeah. I mean, Good point. I yes. know of hackers that were able to hack the VAERS system. Okay. So if there are hackers that can hack the VAERS system, 
In other words, there, there's whistleblowers that have come forward saying that the system can be hacked. Well, they're paying. They want it that way so that they can say, oh, well, accidentally this got hacked. So we don't really know what the real numbers are. They just keep lying and lying and lying to the American people. And yeah, I mean, it's just it's sickening. I'm sitting here like I'm sick at, when I hear this letter and I hear the numbers. And I just wanted to make that point of how uh, vastly underrated they are. But you were, but you were right to quote the uh, the proper numbers at the time that were there because that's yeah. what's recognized. So uh, please continue with your letter. I don't want to have too big thing of a pause in between it. Sure. The swine flu injections were halted after 26 deaths. I hate to even imagine the role you continuously choose to play in the responsibility of these numbers. You stood proudly in solidarity with some of the medical providers of SOFA, encouraging the COVID-19 injections for everyone ages 12 and over that now is five, including expecting and lactating mothers. You said, trust us. Mr. Levine, I do not trust you with my medical treatment. I do not trust you with the treatment of my children and my grandchildren. I do not trust the providers and medical people that stand by you. My family does not trust you. I will not say that you have broken the trust of many members of the community unless I have written evidence, but I will say that there does exist the possibility. Once trust is broken, it is difficult, if not impossible, to earn back. In closing, as a fellow human being and sister in Christ, I must consistently repent and turn from my evil ways. I urge you to do the same. It would be prudent to, at the very least, admit the possibility that it is you, not the physicians who you come against, who is hurting people. I encourage you to seek God, to turn back to your creator. Second Chronicles 7, 13 and 14 says, when I shut up the heavens so that there is not rain or command the locust to devour the land or send pestilence, which can be defined as um, uh, trying to think of the, the uh, virus, viruses uh, yeah, among the people. viruses. Yes. If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Ephesians 6.12 says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. 1 Timothy 2, 2 and 3 says, For kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good and it is pleasing in the sight of our of God, our Savior. 1 Timothy 4, 1 and 2 says, Now the Spirit expressly says that in, la in later times, some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons through the insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared. Mr. Levine, with all due respect, you sign every email with the words, God bless you. I would never admonish you as a brother in Christ if you did not openly profess your faith. As a Christian man, you are accountable to God for every word that you speak. We should all make sure our hearts are right with God before we use his name. Matthew 15, 8, Jesus says, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. As a courtesy to you, I am letting you know right now that I have done my research. I will fight this government overreach and global agenda with every fiber of my being. You will begin to see my name in our area, and you will hear my voice. I am not on your side. 
I will join every group, every person, every doctor, every healthcare worker to stand against what you are doing. I will work to unify the people of this community, not divide them. I will work to support your employees, my peers, who have gotten these injections under duress and coercion. I will work to give valid health employees a voice. I will work to educate people about our constitution and make them aware of the freedoms that God gave them. I will travel, speak, write letters, emails, and I will do everything in my power to expose the corruption of our world, our beautiful country, our state, and your company. I will join forces with the patriots of this great nation to do everything that I can to build a parallel society, a parallel financial system, a parallel healthcare system to combat what you and others are allowing to happen to our nation. I will be going public with this letter of resignation. Again, I didn't have to. It went before me. That was the breath of God. I will give my breath and my very life for the freedom of the citizens of this great nation and for our future generations. I will not stand idly by as communism, socialism, and global elites try to take us out. I was a soldier when our military was honorable and defended our freedoms, and I am a soldier for Christ. I will fight. I will fight. I'm not afraid of losing every last comfort that I have to stand up for what is right. I will not comply with an exit interview with anybody but you, for you alone are responsible for every action within valid health. And then I quoted Ian Gray, life is a tapestry beautifully woven from discarded things like me. My last day with your company will be Friday, October the 29th. Unvaccinated, unmasked, unashamed and unafraid, Nikki Jeans, proud leader of the Valid Health Liberty Union. Oh, yeah. I was walked out. I was walked out by security. That is a takedown indeed. And I'll tell you, Mickey, I don't know if there's any follow up to this, but I'll tell you that if the man, Mr. Levine, had the courage to read that entire letter, his life has changed forever. And hallelujah. Because yeah, there's man. no way he could hear all of those scriptures knowing the word of God. And even if he didn't know it that much, the word of God is pure. It's alive. Yes. And and I think you may have saved that man's soul. And uh, we don't know where it ends up. Uh, not you saved his soul, but uh, pointed him back into the... To, to, to Jesus, who saved souls, of course. I don't do I have to be that politically correct. Nah. No, not with me. Are you interested um, in what his response was to the letter? Yes, I was. that's what I wanted to know. <laughs> okay, that may tell me. us everything we need to know, Jeff. We don't oh, know. I'm sorry, he didn't text me. He responded to that email because I sent him the, the resignation in an email. All lowercase, best of luck to you. Wow. Which means best of Lucifer, the Satanist. Wow. Yeah. Look, we don't need luck. He, so he didn't read your letter. There's my answer. Yeah. If yeah. he had read it. And, yeah. and listen, he, he might have afterwards. You never yeah. know. Yeah. Well, hopefully he did know. at some point, but, but it doesn't sound like he did at all because as from human to human, um, Jeff, we would invite him to come on the show, right? If he wants to respond. Mr. Levine, you are welcome on Right On Radio. And by the way, Mickey, can you can you say what his name, like the full name, the hospitals that he runs, and like let's spell it out for people so that we can do a little research on him as sure, well. Sure. 
to find so out who he's right. associated with, because I have a feeling that he might be associated with um, things. And then I would like to tell what I have in a whistleblower evidence regarding the Broward County Hospital. Yeah, absolutely. And it would be um, it would be very prudent for somebody to just Google his name and read his bio because he worked for the for the Bushes uh, in, in a healthcare role. OK, his uh, name, so his first name yeah, is what? First Alan. Name? Alan, A-L-A-N, Levine, L-E-V-I-N-E. And the company is Ballad Health, B-A-L-L-A-D. And it's something like, I don't know if they've added facilities since then, but it's something like 27 facilities uh, over three different states. Okay. And it's in Broward County, Florida. Ballad Health is in East Tennessee. He came here from Broward County, Florida. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Very corrupt. Had to pay out millions. Yes, he had to pay out millions to uh, for a lawsuit because of trying to increase hospital admission rates, which we all know in healthcare. Why would you do that? This has become such a corrupt business, and certainly not the treatment for medical issues. Can you can you tell about little just a brief about the hospitalization rates so that people understand about hospitalization rates? Well, the only thing that I can say to that, because I don't have the numbers, is that when we go to the hospital, when we go to a physician's office and then they send us to the hospital, that is because there is something wrong and we have got to, you know, have something in our body taken care of. So to ever put just the name hospital admission rate should not be in existence. They have these rates, they have these rates, yes. as I understand, that they yes. want to meet because it's a business that they're running. It's a business. Yes. The more this money. That's right. So if we go to the hospital and something is wrong with us and they can treat us in the emergency room, and sometimes they, they do treat us in the emergency room, but they are paid more money, obviously, when you admit that person from the emergency room, they're admitted. That's the caveat right there. That's where the big money is, is admitting somebody into the hospital from the emergency room. So one really interesting thing is that I have a whistleblower that has come forward that I have evidence of the admission and how they were paid out and that nurses were also receiving bonuses if they did certain things in the Broward County Hospital. I will have to do a little research to find out if it's this hospital with this gentleman. I mean, with that's under this gentleman, but there was definitely, it's definitely Broward County. And this is not the same whistleblower that I interviewed a while back that if people want to go back, Jeff, we played that, right? We, uh, the nurse whistleblower that was off nurse camera. Kim. There, no, yeah, not nurse it, Kim, yeah, it, but it another nurse I'm whistleblower. So that's another one. Popular. Yeah, that's not, that's another one. Okay, so I have another, this is actually a lady who issued all of the checks, um, all of the checks, um, in the hospital. So I will confirm which hospital that was. So, because I, I don't think it's the same group. It could be, is there, is Baptist by chance um, part of that hospital group, Nikki? No. But like a Southern Baptist or anything? Because I think it's no. really going to surprise people that a lot of these are religious hospitals mm -hmm. that were paying bonuses to jab people, to hospitalize them, to not give them 
um, vitamins, because if they give them vitamins, it breaks the protocol. And then CDC doesn't give them the, you know, the thousands of dollars. When I say thousands of dollars, if I'm not mistaken, the last time I looked, it's close to $90,000 is what a death cost. Um, it, it, is it is. No, okay, no, yeah. And the protocol is remdesivir. That's a whole nother show, right? But it's remdesivir right. that's made by Gilead Sciences in California, owned by George Soros. Yes. Which is a killer. Yeah. Which is an absolute killer. And then they get paid for doing that. Then they get paid to put, put them on the, uh, which causes them to go on to the ventilator and all. Yeah, listen, that's a whole well, other show. I think we should do that show, um, Jeff, if, with Mickey, to, to, so she can tell about her research of what she learned. Um, and so that other people who want to research could dig into it. Absolutely. Well, Absolutely. be happy to. This will be a good time to say, and I'm not going to give it, give it all away, but Christy and I have talked, and Mickey is going to be on assignment for Right On Radio coming yeah. up. And uh, that, so she's going to be part of the family. You're going to be seeing some more of Mickey uh, for sure. Uh, Mickey, Thank I just got to say that, uh, that letter was just it was obviously inspired by god and uh with with his words obviously and uh and i really pray that this mr levine who obviously sounds like he has a sordid past after it went viral that he did go back and read that letter and read it uh to his fullest extent because i think that's why god had your hand you put your hand on it because he cares about that person as well not yes. only about the situation but God works in so many ways, and uh, you know, I, that, that's that's my hope, my prayer, that uh, that because he's he's someone of influence, obviously, yeah. and you know, um, if he repents from the top, man, there could be a real big trickle down. So uh, let's, I encourage all of our listeners to pray for Mr. Levine, and uh, and you know, I. I actually repent for calling him a Satanist because I don't know that. So I take that, I strike those, uh, those words back. But uh, when you put in luck, that's kind of a clue, <laughs> you know, but the world uses that vernacular. So it is what it is. Uh, anyways, listen, we've been almost two hours. We finally got your letter out there and it was epic. Thank you so much, Mickey. Uh, Mickey, final thought, then I'll go to Christy and then I'll close this out. Uh, absolutely. Thank you for the opportunity, number one, to just to be on your show, to have a a platform, to use the platform that God has given you to um, to educate people and to hopefully inspire people, not only to stand up and to be brave, but to, to stand up against tyranny, but ultimately to give their lives to God. We are in an epic battle of good versus evil. It goes beyond that. And the Bible is very clear in Ephesians chapter six, that we are to wear the entire full armor of God. Why would God tell us to put armor on is the question I want to leave you with today. And I'm going to say fear is, is the devil's greatest weapon. And Mickey, I commend you for not being fearful and for realizing that. And for all of the rest of our listeners out there, um, I'm going to make a point to republish Mickey's letter with a downloadable PDF that we could maybe all download this letter and send it to Mr. Levine and make it so that you can copy and paste it. Um, 
with the address, Jeff. What do you think about that? Maybe we could send it to the hospital, his personal thing. Just make it so that, you know, he has no idea even what's coming and that this letter, he is going to read it at some point in time. Because we also have to hold our brothers and sisters in Christ accountable. Yes, we do. If if a hundred people or a thousand people, but let's just say a hundred, if only a fraction of us actually do that, I'll, I'll send the letter. Yeah, uh, let's send it all. Let's all download it, print it, mail it out to him, pleading with him to read the full letter. That's right. He will yeah. eventually. And uh, listen, if we, if we care about people, yep. Uh, Christy, I just love that call to action. You know. Uh, and that's what, listen, we have to start taking action folks and downloading printing and then writing an address on an envelope is not hard. No, you're not going to get in trouble. Let's no. do this action. Look, this could have a huge trickle down effect and, and God's word is the power behind it. God's yeah. word will go forth. And if it can go to this man, this man, and maybe he has already repented, maybe, we don't know. But if he hasn't, and he does, and then he makes it public, and it trickles down, do you see the power? How powerful. Well, I just want to say. 27, 28 major yeah. hospital locations. Yeah. Well, this is say, power. We need, to pray for, we need to pray that he does open the letter and that he will respond. And maybe he's the first major hospital whistleblower, you know, like the, the, the one who's on top, who really knows what's happening. Because obviously, if he's connected to the Bushes and the Fauci's and the, you know, is pushing a Soros drug in the hospital, he knows, guys, these people, they know. They know yes. what they're doing, okay? Yes, Especially the people on the high ups. That's not saying that you as a nurse, maybe you didn't know until today, but you do have to take action. You have to do something about it. You can't just sit there like Mickey said. She's got bills too. You know, we've all got bills, you know. Um, but you know what? So what if you're if you don't pay your car payment? Let them come get your car. Who cares? Um, you know, you you have to take <laughs> I do. <laughs> Well, in my case, I can just walk everywhere. So, <laughs> but what I'm saying yeah. is I would not, I wouldn't, you know, a lot of people are spending a lot of money on their cars. There's cheaper cars out there, you know, do something you can, you can adjust your finances to be able to afford to quit. They, they want to dangle the carrot. Well, we, you should never be buying a, you should never be buying a car on credit anyways. Yeah. But that's what I'm saying, Jeff. And most of the people have. They have not paid for their cars outright. They haven't paid for their things outright. And listen, I know I've been there, done that, but it's okay to, to realize that your finances need to be readjusted. That's yes, it. So that's right. Yeah. Creating wealth through stewardship available on rightonyou.com. <laughs> hey, listen, everyone, I appreciate it. We're almost two hours here, so I'm going to call it out. But uh, just as I'm a final thought. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, not quite, but uh, just a lot of work to do. Very busy day. Um, just, a, just a final thought, you know, all this talk of action, and obviously we're taking action by having this podcast, and there's a lot of work that goes into it, but I'm personally going to ramp it up, and, and I don't plan on being in Canada for that much longer, but because of the tyranny that is happening here, uh, the Prime Minister is taking away your right to even own a handgun, 
now and at the same time making fentanyl and cocaine legal because that's going to help society uh, but uh, don't defend yourself. Uh, and by the way, Canadians still, even if you're a legal gun owner, which I am, you still can't defend yourself. If someone walked in, someone broke into my house at four o'clock in the morning and I shot them, I'm the one who goes to jail. Unbelievable. That's that's the way it is in Canada. So, uh, and by the, and it's coming for you in the United States. It's yeah. already happened in Australia. All these countries that had the most severe stuff everywhere. They're disarmed folks, and yes. they're coming for you there. So, uh, you know, I figure while I'm here, I'm going to, and particularly this summer, I'm going to really get out, and uh, and I've been coming, uh, getting to know the, the people who are fighting in this country a little bit better, and I'm going to lend my voice to them. So you're going to hear some more local reporting for you Canadians who watch, and I know there's a lot of you. Uh, it's time that I start covering this as well, and, uh, and we're going to take some action. And uh, you're going to see some great things happen here on Right On Radio about action and how we're all going to participate and make a difference in the world. So uh, remember, in the meantime, love your God, love your family, love your neighbor as yourself, and make a difference in your community. Amen. Amen.